Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hey, yo. Amen, indeed. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to be interactive with you. Make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. All our accounts are right there. Check out the T Public Store. A lot of new designs up right now. Parlay Points, the blog section is blowing up right now. So if you haven't checked it out lately, you definitely want to swing through there. Anything and everything that is the ODPH is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHPod. Kicking off the sports edition, the NFL is not going away quietly in this offseason, are they, Pad? No, I, I in fact liked the one video or meme tweet I saw on Twitter where it was NFL anytime any other sport tries to do anything and it was Big Bird kicking in the front door off its hinges. Because I'm like, yep, that's accurate. That is 1,000% accurate. Because any time that we think the NFL is not dominating headlines, they decide to say, hold my beer. Because mm-hmm. we figured we'd have a couple of days, or maybe at least a show where the NFL wasn't the dominant thing. Mm-hmm. You know, off-season's going on. It wasn't the legal tampering period. You know, that wasn't supposed to start until, you know, early this week. So we figured, oh, you know what, there'll be some stuff there, but nothing huge. And then Big Bird kicked the door off the hinges. Yeah, this turned out to be a wild week in the NFL already, and we're only midway through the week, too. I know. Like This is the insane thing about the NFL. When they decide to go crazy with stories, they take over, and especially with everything going on in the land of sports right now, too. Mm-hmm. This is actually a busy week in the other sports, but yeah. the NFL is dominating the headlines. So let's recap the latest Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm reading from a uh, free agency tracker article list thing, whatever it is, on NFL.com. So this is in no particular order. It's just going down the divisions, alphabetical order. Uh, And they first off, they have some team named the Buffalo Bills. I've never heard of them. The greatness. Uh, Ken, is there anything sticking out to you? Because, of course, this is your team that you saw and you went, hey, I'm really happy about this. Well, I thought they made a solid move at running back. Okay. Again, J.D. McKissick. Yep. uh, Two years, $7 million deal that has a max of $8 million. That according to Mike Garofalo. That move makes a lot of sense to me because we have to get Singletary help. Yep. Moss, ah, like, listen, at this stage in the game, I don't know what the hell we're going to get out of him. I really am optimistic we could get something, but it hasn't worked so far. We need to inject something into the running game. McKissick will be a good fit for them, so I'm really excited about it. I know we re-upped with Mitch Morris, the center. This yep. is a smart move. He's been holding that line together. However frail it is, they've been doing a great thing there. Isaiah McKenzie getting re-upped for two years. That's a smart move, too. There's a oh, lot yeah. of cap-friendly moves that the Bills have been doing. Yeah. So those ones have been jumping off. I mean, uh, losing to Feliciano, I was not happy about. But right. listen, I, I can't have everything with the NFL. And this is one thing that, as a fan, I understand. Sure. You have the salary cap. There is only so much you can do with your teams 
about keeping them all together. You're going to need it for digs, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, Holy I know. fucking yeah, Christ. I, I have to thank one team personally for uh-huh. that. Uh, moving to the Miami Dolphins, uh, they did sign Teddy Bridgewater to a one-year $6.5 million uh, fully guaranteed deal uh, that has up to $10 million worth of incentives, that according to Tom Pelissario. Uh, so obviously he's going to be, since it was like a week or two ago, I forget what, uh, that mm-hmm. they said Tua was going to be their number one. Teddy Bridgewater there in Miami to back him up should anything happen. So it makes it makes sense. Teddy Bridgewater, decent quarterback. Not the guy to get you over the hump or get you to the promised land, but he's there in case you need him. He's a great backup. Yeah. But Miami still does not have a true starter in my eyes. I'm sorry. I hope Tua does well, but... Uh, I just, I'm not saying this as a Miami hater, even though I am sure. one, and I'm, I'm just relishing at the thought that they could go 0 16. But this move makes sense, and I don't think that's a bad one. The Chase Edmonds signing, I think, is okay too. It's but a de- decent deal. Uh, he's a decent running back. Uh, two years, twelve point six million dollar contract. It has six point one million dollars guaranteed. That, according to Ian Rappaport. Yeah, they, the moves make sense there, but I still don't think they're going to be playoff ready. I really think that Tua. Now that he's going to be the lone starter, he doesn't have to worry about somebody taking his job. How is he going to go? We've heard conflicting reports about you yep, know yep. where his interest is. So, I mean, it's one of those situations that if you're a Miami fan, one, I'm sorry, two, <laughs> I don't know if you're ready to go all in on him right now. I mean, they're definitely making steps in the right direction, I would say, which is something they've been <laughs> lacking the ability to do since Dan Marino retired. I'll, I'll give you that. You know, they finally appear to have a quarterback, whether he's the guy or not, we'll see. But they finally have a quarterback that at least looks halfway decent, and it lo- is halfway decent on paper, and now they're doing s- stuff to address needs around him. Getting a running back. They uh, re-signed uh, Preston Williams on a one-year deal. They signed Cedric Wilson to a three-year $22.8 million deal. Mike uh, Gesecki signed the franchise tag. That's a smart move by them. You know, they got the offensive guard, uh, Connor Williams, on a two-year $14 million deal. You know, so they're doing stuff to address the offense, which, again, it's been one step forward about nine steps backwards for these guys since Dan Marino retired. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know the Dolphins fans have been griping about it for forever, but I've been telling Dolphins fans for the better part of 10, 15 years, you need to get a system set in place and build on it. And it appears that they finally have that and they're moving in the right direction. Will it work out? We'll see. I agree with you. I mean, I I don't have any stock in them to begin with because, like you touched upon, they are so unpredictable in that front office and the structure of a culture they're trying to build there. Yeah. I don't understand how you can put faith in them. And I know everybody was hyping up last year. Oh, they went on that win streak. Listen, if you really looked at who they faced, it's not really that hard to put those wins together. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened when they faced real competition. Oh, yeah. Enough said. Uh, next up were my New England Patriots. They're not really doing too much. Of course, last year they went all Bill Stimmy check on them and a little quiet this year thus far. Uh, they re-signed Brian Hoyer to a two-year contract. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you got Mac Jones. You don't really need somebody else there other than just a backup. Uh, James White re-signed a two-year $5 million deal. Includes $500,000 guaranteed. Smart move. He's a good uh, catching running back. Sure. You know, you got some decent running running backs there. Uh, the interesting one took place today. Uh, they acquired Mac Wilson, the linebacker, in a trade with the Cleveland Browns in, ex- in exchange for defensive end Chase Winovich. Uh, this does not become official until the start of the new league year, which is on Wednesday. This one surprised me because Winovich was doing all right. You know, he wasn't necessarily wowing me or going, holy shit, look at this guy. He was doing all right. So clearly, you know, Belichick and the front office didn't think they'd be able to do much with him. So they traded him for Mac Wilson, which we'll see what we get. Wilson's not bad. Yeah. Wilson was holding that 
Browns defense together through some games. Like yeah. he's he's not the worst addition. Yeah. I think it's a smart move because I think right now, who would you say is the most dominant linebacker for the Pats? Uh Dante Hightower, I would say personally. Okay, but he's like almost like a one man show. Almost, yeah. Like I say, no disrespect. Oh, like yeah. listen, yeah. the Patriots defense is not what it's been of old. No. Adding Wilson to that lineup, I think, does help. And I think that's a smart move. And I think Belichick understands that that's a bigger need. Yeah. And plus, I think this year's draft, he can go find some defensive ends if he wants to. Or go into free agency, depending on who he's looking for. Yeah. So, that it's Belichick doing Belichick things. I'm oh, not absolutely. super shocked with that. Uh, also, re-signed uh, safety Devin McCourty to a one-year contract worth $9 million. Smart hey, move. Smart move. He's the captain of that secondary. He's been there the longest. I trust that man with anything. Uh, also re-signed Nick Folk, the kicker, to a two-year, $5 million extension. Makes all the sense in the world. Dude's dude's a great kicker. Uh, and then the special teams guru, the special teams yeah, savant. Smart move for this. Uh, Matt Slater re-signed a one-year, $2.6 million deal that is fully guaranteed. I mean, listen, this dude is technically a wide receiver, but he don't see wide receiver all that often. This dude is the greatest special teams player you will ever see in the NFL. Uh, and is going to go down as one of the better Patriots of all time. Not the best, but definitely one of the greater Patriots of all time. If Smart move. If you're not familiar with the Patriots, yeah, he is an unsung hero. Uh-huh. That, that does the little things right. Yeah. So that Patriots is smart by signing him long. Yeah. Uh, next up are the Jets. They re-signed Tevin Coleman on out to a one-year $1.5 million deal. Makes sense. Uh, they also re-signed Braxton Berrios to a two-year $12 million contract. Again, shoring up uh, that off, off, offense there. Uh, they did get uh, tight end C.J. Uzma on a three-year deal worth $24 million. Ooh. So that's a, that's a decent amount of money there. That's a decent amount yeah. coming from Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you're talking about a drop from Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow, though. So, uh, <laughs> listen, I understand they, they're trying to help the kid out, sure. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you know what? you gotta, you got to pay a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they also did address their offensive line. They did sign uh, re-sign offensive tackle Connor McDermott to a one-year contract, and they did add uh, offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson to a three-year $40 million deal that includes $27 million guaranteed and has a max value of $41.2 million. That, according to Mike Garofalo. Jesus, Mary Oof. and Joseph, that's a lot of coin. That is a lot of coin. That's a lot of coin. <laughs> uh, switching over to the AFC, and we're not going to go through every move. This is just kind of the soft The ones out. that stand out yeah. to us. Uh, just going to the AFC North and the Baltimore Ravens, the only move they have made thus far is uh, safety Marcus Williams uh, signed a five-year, $70 million contract that includes $37 million guaranteed. Get that money. Yeah, no arguments about that. No. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, signed Alex Kappa to a four-year, $35 million deal. That includes $20 million over the first two years and $1 million in Pro Bowl incentives each year. Uh, he's an offensive guard. They also signed uh, offensive lineman Ted Karras, to a, who's a former Patriot, to a three-year, $18 million contract. Uh, and they did reassign uh, defensive tackle B.J. Hill to a three-year, $30 million deal that includes $15 million in year one. Oof. Well, you knew the Bengals were going to take advantage of Tom Brady coming back because you know Tampa Bay was not re-upping about their guard. Uh-huh. And the fact they gave him all the money there. So, you know what? Kudos to Cincinnati because, yeah. hey, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. If you actually had somebody to block Aaron hey. Donald, hey. you would have won the game. Yep. Ah. I digress. Uh, switching to the Cleveland Browns in probably the most questionable move, dumbest move, I don't know what you call this. Uh, the oh, Cle- I've got thoughts. I got the Cleveland Browns acquired Amari Cooper, the wide receiver, in a trade with Dallas in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round draft pick and a swap of sixth-rounders, that including to Ian Rappaport. Uh, as with the Chase Winovich trade we mentioned, this does not become official until the start of the new league year. That is on Wednesday. So this is my takeaway for 
this Cleveland-Dallas move. Uh-huh. Dallas locked themselves in with Ezekiel Elliott. There's a couple guys in the Dallas front office that fucked up. We'll get to the other one here soon. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. We're, we are going to get there. Sorry, oh, Dre. Oh, oh, oh. I know Dre Driven right now is throwing something out the window right now, but yeah. Facts are facts. It's, it's, it's sad but true. So Cooper going to Cleveland indicates the Browns are going to try to do something on offense. And, and they're looking at the way things have gone the last couple of years and gone, hey, this ain't been working. We got to flip the script here. Yeah, they got to do something. And I know Jarvis Landry got released. Yep. And I, we know, obviously, the divorce from OBJ was something as well. Yeah. Najoku was signed for the franchise tag. Uh-huh. And there is some rumblings, which now with these moves happening, I feel the Browns are going to make a play for Deshaun Watson. Mm. Now, I know the asking price right now from Houston is astronomical. Uh-huh. But let's face it. When you have Denver mortgaging everything they have for Russell Wilson, yeah, signing over a ton of picks and probably Baker Mayfield in the process to Houston is not out of the realm of thought. Yeah, And I'm thinking if they're going to go out and get Cooper, because let's face it, Cooper has been an interesting player. I mean, obviously, if he stayed with the Raiders, it would have been a different ball game. I know Rich from 3FN has got a lot of feelings about that. Sure. And obviously, Cooper was part of the reason Dak progressed so well in Dallas. Right. To now let him go, you move him to Cleveland, you do get some picks for him, which, I mean, Dallas could always use all the picks they can get. Yeah, this is true. I mean, because, well, <laughs> their, their cap issues are well-documented. This makes sense for Cleveland, and I think that they are now getting ready to part ways with Baker because if they're going to reload on their offense, and like I said, they the tight end, the Joku, is the franchise tag, so yep. they're hoping to keep him. I know he's yep. he's wanted out for a while, but you know is what it is. You still have one of the best running backs in the league with Nick Chubb. Oh yeah, Kareem Hunt, I believe, is still there. Yes, he is. So you are ready to win now with this team. You got to get a quarterback to get there because obviously you're having some problems with Baker Mayfield getting consistency at this stage. Uh-huh. Baker's good when he shows up, but it's just what Baker shows up that is the issue. Right, and this window is now closing on Cleveland to get over the hump. Yeah, and especially in a division which has got some quarterbacks in it now, Oof. it's tough to really get you know your status well known there. And mm-hmm. for him, like I say, the status for the Browns is we're contenders. Yep. We're not pretenders. Yeah, we're the team two years ago that should have beat Kansas City, but hey, reasons. I mean, we went over the quarterbacks are in in the AFC last week, and just and obviously that's changed a little bit. We'll, sure, we'll get to those, but still, the level of play has not dropped off in the AFC from last week. You have no, this ain't like the NFC. Sorry NFC fans. Yeah. But it's facts are facts. There is no room for error in this in this conference because you slip, you're going to miss the playoffs. Exactly. So for the Browns, I think they realize that the window is closing, they got to make a move. I think Baker's gone. And I think you're right cuz I'm just looking at the Browns. Obviously, you got the wide they added the wide receiver Cooper. They uh franchise tagged the tight end Njoku. They got they acquired the defensive end Chase Winovich, and then they also agreed to terms uh, uh, with the defensive tackles. So that to me, that's not just one specific area. That's kind of all over, which it's a lot of areas you tend to look at when you're drafting, especially early on in the draft. That tends me to think that they're positioning themselves so that all right, hey, if we don't have any early draft picks in this upcoming draft, we're still at least in a good place. Yes, I agree too. So I think the. Browns are making some moves. Obviously, they got to keep up with everybody else in the North because uh-huh. that division is still going to be tough. 
Yeah. Don't don't get it twisted, folks. Uh, next up are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they uh, gave Dwayne Haskins an original round restricted free agent tender worth $2.5 million. But it doesn't matter. He's not going to be the starter because they signed Maserati Mitchell Trubisky to a two-year $14.25 million deal that's worth up to $27 million with incentives. That according to Mike Garofalo and Tom Pelissario. Uh, also of note, uh, they uh, re-upped Chukum, C H U K W U M A, Okafor to a three-year, twenty-nine point two five million dollar deal with twenty million guaranteed. That, according to Garofalo, uh, they also added offensive guard James Daniels to a three-year, twenty-six point five million dollar deal. So working on the offense a little bit there. Which, let's face it, Pittsburgh's offensive line has been eh, it's been suspect, suspect. But they got the Maserati. So Sl- a slightly used Maserati. It's for what they need, though. It's okay because I think if I have to use my unofficial ODPH guess here, uh huh, they were banking on going to get Aaron Rodgers. Uh huh. I fully think that they banking was, on getting Rodgers, banking on getting Russell Wilson, and then the asking price got too high. No, I, I think it was all Rodgers. I think that that was the guy they were waiting on. Yeah. And I think once he said, "I'm staying put," I think they said, "Okay, we're not going to get who we want this season." The Maserati, say what you will, is an adequate fit for Pittsburgh. Even slightly used. Slightly used because all he needs to do is stand in the pocket and throw. That's all he needs to do there. He has a great running back with Najee Harris, and he's going to have the weapons to throw to. He's not going to be taking over games. He's not going to be winning in a shootout with Joe Burrow per se, but he will keep them in games. And you have to think about this too. He now has actual weapons to throw to. Right. I mean, you could say what he was when Buffalo, he was the closer. Yeah. But now he's going to get that playing time. Now he's going to be starting. He now has people around him compared to when he was drafted in the league. Right. Let's be honest about this. This could be a whole world of difference, and I think this could be one of the most sleeper moves in all free agency. Because you can say what you will, that, okay, you wrote him off. Obviously, his tenure in Chicago, not exactly, uh, will we say, great. No. But he's now been sitting for a year. He's learned how to play, kind of re-evaluated his game a little bit. He's been working with Josh Allen and the people up there in Buffalo. Right. That does have to have some effect on him. Now, am I going to say he's going to be putting up Josh Allen numbers? Hell no. No. But can he win games? Hell yes. Hell yes, indeed. So Steelers, I thought, got a really good move right there, all things considered. Uh, switching to the AFC South, you have the Houston Texans not really doing a whole... They've got a bunch of stuff here, but it's a lot of re-signings. Uh, they re-signed uh, quarterback Jeff Driscoll, re-signed wide receiver Chris Conley. Uh, they did <coughs> excuse me, add tight end Farrell Brown uh, on a one-year contract worth $4 million. Uh, signed a couple of offensive tackle and offensive lines. Uh, at, worked on defense a little bit. Uh, signed, re-signed a defensive tackle Malik Collins to a two-year deal. Uh, linebacker Christian Kirksey to a two-year deal. I mean, not like I said, nothing real bomb, bomb, uh, explosive or shattering. Obviously, the move everyone's waiting on for is what happens with Deshaun Watson, which we will see. Mm-hmm. Uh, until Houston moves Deshaun Watson, I am not even caring what they're going to do because obviously, if you're re-signing everybody that was on that awful team last year. Right. You're not going to be making any moves. I'm sorry. Like, I would hope Houston would learn from that mistake and really get the ball moving in some kind of direction. But let's face it. I mean, this team was awful last year. Uh And I don't see them doing any much better this season. So we'll kind of have to wait and see. Because if they can do something with Watson, that's the storyline to watch with this team. Otherwise, there's really nothing to be excited about if you're a Houston Texan fan. 
Sorry, no. sad but true. No. Uh, and then you got the Indianapolis Colts. Colts have been relatively quiet. Obviously, we know they uh, traded away or let Carson Wentz go. Uh, but in terms of free agency stuff, uh, they re-signed their tight end, Mo Ali Cox, to a three-year, $18 million deal. And then they got cornerback Brandon uh, Faceson, uh, F-A-C-Y-S-O-N, to a one-year deal. Uh, so a little quiet on the Colts front, but hey, uh, they do still need a quarterback. Uh, there are two listed quarterbacks on ESPN.com, Sam Ellinger and James Morgan. Uh, sorry, guys, I don't think it'll be the starters day one. No, but when you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, he helps a lot. I was going to say, all you need is somebody to hand him the ball. Indianapolis is the most boring team in football. We have talked about this at great length. This is true. Ain't nothing changing with this team. And I'm sorry, you just need to have somebody turn around and go, here. Yep, and hand off like that's that's all they need. Their defense will keep them in game, so you know that's the biggest bread and butter that they have. And as long as Jonathan Taylor stays healthy, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, next up are the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh jeez, okay. we are Jacksonville Jaguars. And let me just say this: if AEW isn't signing anyone for the next year, we know why because oh, Tony my. Khan dumped his money into the Jaguars. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Okay, where do we go? From, where do we even start here? So I'm just going down the list. This is as, and I'm not prioritizing anything. I'm showing Ken. This is just I'm going down the list yep. as NFL.com has them. Uh, they signed wide receiver Zay Jones to a three-year, $24 million contract that has the max value of $30 million. That, according to Ian Rappaport. They also signed wide receiver Christian Kirk. And, Ken, this is why I say this is going to fuck you over on the uh, Stefan Diggs deal. Uh, they signed Christian Kirk to a four-year, $72 million contract, includes $37 million fully guaranteed, and has a maximum value of $84 million. Yikes. I'm going to let you finish that list, and then we're going to break this down. Uh, they also agreed to a one-year deal with the greatest uh, New York Giant of all time, Evan Ingram. Uh, they gave the franchise tag to offensive tackle Cam Robinson. They added offensive guard Brandon Sheriff uh, to a three-year $49.5 million deal, 30 of it guaranteed, and $33 million in the first two years. Uh, they also added uh, Foley Fatsukai. Uh, F-A-T-U-K-S-A-S-I, excuse me. Uh, three years, $3 million deals, 20 of it fully guaranteed. And they also added linebacker Foye, uh, O-L-U-O-K-U-N, to a three-year, $45 million deal, 20 of, 28 of it guaranteed, uh, max value of $46.5 million. Okay, so there's one deal that is jumping out there that is screaming at me, and that's the Christian Kirk deal. Uh-huh. Pat, I have his stats up. Right now in front of me. Okay. Okay, you can read these as well, too. So I'm pulling them up myself. Okay. Has he ever cleared 1,000 yards receiving? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's. I'm going down the list. 2018, his first year, he had 43 catches, 590 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, sophomore year, 68 catches, 709 uh, yards, three touchdowns. Uh, 2020, he had 48 catches for 628, 621 yards, uh, six touchdowns. And then last year, he had 77 catches for 982 yards and five touchdowns. So, no. How do you explain that money getting signed for him? I am sorry. Like, listen, congratulations. You got one of the biggest paydays in history. I am not mad at you for getting your money, sir. But please tell me how those stats that you just read right now justify that move. I mean, he has the greatest quarterback rating of all time, 118.8. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, <laughs> unless, unless you're going to do that. Like, for Trevor Lawrence, you got him weapons, asterisks, question mark. 
Christian Kirk is not a number one. He's good, but he's not a number one, and he's not worth $84 million. Hell no. Absolutely not. Who the hell's his agent? I got to look this up. So yeah, you go check that out. And they got Zay Jones, too. And then you got Evan Ingram, who could not do anything with Daniel Jones. Oh, God, he he couldn't catch a fucking pass if he was the only dude on the field. Yeah, so what do you expect now with Trevor Lawrence, who now is going into his this new coach, new regime in Jacksonville with these weapons, and you're expecting him to win? I'm sorry. This is absolutely insanity to me. This is the wrong side of being GM in a video game. There, I'm, there is no way you can justify it with the paper and the stats that we have here. I'm sorry. You can't. There's no way he should be getting that kind of money. I'm sorry. And the fact that you want to give this, now those expectations have to be justified if you're the Jacksonville ownership group. Uh-huh. Because how do you sit there and literally tell your fan base, this was worth the money? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there was going to be a bidding war for Kirk. I get it. Oh, sure. But to this degree, I don't think any GM on the planet other than Jacksonville was saying, you know what? This guy's the number one. We got to go break a bank for him, franchise, everything. Only thing I can think of is that there had to have been a bidding war in this with the other side or other sides deliberately driving up the price just to screw over the Jaguars going, oh, there's no way they'll actually pay. There's no way they'll actually like pay this high. And then they kept going higher. And it was just the one side or however many sides just saying, hey, let's just see how high we can drive this thing before. Because like, oh, we'll back out. We'll say, oh, hey, you know what? Change of plans. We're not interested anymore. Or what? Like there had to have been some other instances going on here where somebody drove up the price on this. There had to be something because there's no way you justify that price. There's, I'm sorry, you can't. Not with the stats that are in front of you. Yeah, did he have a breakout year? Yeah, also remember out in Arizona, who was hurt half the season? DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Who also did not play up to par? A.J. Green. Yeah. So, Kyler Murray had to throw to somebody. Oh, yeah, shit. Kirk down there somewhere. Yeah, and are you saying that the Kirk took over games? Like, do you really think that... I'm sorry. It, he's a good player. I will grant you that. Uh-huh. But no freaking way you pay him that kind of money. None. And I'm sorry, having Ingram coming there? That's not exactly upgrading for Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. If, like, I don't even know where you begin with him down there. Jacksonville is still a hot dumpster fire mess. And this is these moves are not making any sense. No. So good luck next season, my friend. You're going to need it. Next up. Uh, next up are the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they aqu- agreed to a one-year $3.5 million extension uh, with all but a $100,000 workout bonus fully guaranteed uh, for tight end Jeffrey Swain. Uh, they re-signed their center, Ben Jones, to a two-year, $14 million deal. Uh, and then they re-signed uh, one of their linebackers, Harold Landry. And then they also added uh, Morgan Cox, a uh, safety, uh, to a one-year extension. So no, not a whole lot going on down there in Tennessee. But hey, they got a, they got enough going on. They locked up their center. That's the only thing. If anything, Tennessee knows your offensive line is your team. You have Derrick Henry. True. You got to make sure he can get through the holes. You got to lock up everybody in your offensive line. So signing Reezy up and on the center makes yeah. complete sense. Uh, next up are the Denver Broncos. And, boy, when we get to one of these, this is the other fuck-up on the Dallas Cowboys part. Oh, my God. Uh, so, obviously, they added Russell Wilson. Hey, good for you. Uh, discussed that last week. Uh, they added – or, they, excuse me, they re-signed the offensive tackle Calvin Anderson, uh, which is good for them. Then you get to this one. Uh, they added defensive end Rick, uh, Randy Gregory to a five-year, $70 million deal that includes $28 million guaranteed. That, according to Mike Garofalo. 
And why do I say, you know, that's kind of the interesting one? Uh, because it was tweeted out by the Dallas Cowboys earlier today as we record. I'm showing Ken the tweet. It is the blue check mark. It yeah. is the verified account. Uh, they tweeted the little period so that everybody could see it. You know, it wasn't just specifically towards him. Uh, at Randy Gregory underscore four is staying in Dallas. The little two hands up in the air with the three little lines poking out of him emoji. The defensive end has agreed to terms on a new five-year contract with the hashtag Dallas Cowboys. Read more here. And then there's a bit.ly link. The man, something fell through. The man flipped and he's now in Denver. What the fuck? Somebody in PR is about to get fired. Somebody is, or listen, I think the more telling sign is he got offered more money from Dallas, and he turned that down. Because if he got the extra year, that was going to be some more money. How do you walk away from that is really crazy to me. Yeah, uh, reading from an article on uh, ESPN.com. Uh, it does say, quote, a source closed, a source told ESPN's Ed Werder that salary forfeiture language the Cowboys include in player contracts that led Gregory to back out of his agreement is standard for them, but not commonly used by other teams. The Cowboys now have high interest in Von Miller, depending on his financial expectations, the source said. The clause Gregory objected to, voiding his contract, if fine, slash suspended for any drug offenses or violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy was not included in his previous Cowboys contract and also wasn't mentioned in Monday's contract talks that lasted until midnight, a source told Werder. When questioned about the clause, the Cowboys said that it is included in every Dallas player contract but Dak Prescott's, the source told Werder. So it sounds like they they tried to sneak this this little clause into the contract, which may or may not be included in every Dallas contract. I don't know. I'm not privy to every sure. contract in the Dallas front office. But it sounds like this, according to Ed Werder and his sources, which, listen, Ed Werder reports on a lot of Dallas Cowboys news. I tend to trust Ed Werder when it comes to Dallas Cowboys news. Um, but it but it sounds like they tried to sneak this, this little clause into his contract. He went, yo, 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 time out, time out, time out. I'm not okay with this. Can we get this taken out? They said no. And he's like, fine, I'm going to take another deal. He got paid how much again by Denver? Uh, he got paid. Let me pull that one back up. Uh, five years, $70 million, and 28 of it guaranteed. Okay. That is crazy to think that, okay, he just bolted from the Cowboys. And if you're the Cowboys, how do you explain this? Because your defense has actually been resurging. Uh huh. If that is all true... That is a bad look. That is a and he's very been, bad. And he's been one. He's been one of their better players, you know, for Dallas. He's been with them his entire career. He was drafted by them in 2015. Uh, he played all. He played uh, 12 games this past season. He had uh, 15 solo tackles, four assisted tackles, six sacks, uh, one interception. You know, so he's been one of their better players over the years. Well, it's, they need all the help they can get on defense. So the fact they botched this up for yeah. whatever the reason, and like yeah. I said, it sounded to me like he got he turned down more money from Dallas. Either way, yeah, this is a bad look. Yeah, this is Cowboys doing Cowboys things in the front office. Sounds like there's gonna be two open positions in the front office. Well, not with Jerry Jones doing it because he's yeah. you know obviously he's GM player personnel and you know everything else I, yeah. I, he, he does a lot down there but he's also the owner so he can do those things uh also the denver broncos added uh defensive tackle dj jones to a three-year deal worth 30 million dollars 20 of it uh guaranteed and they also added linebacker josie jewel uh to a two-year deal uh 
Uh, looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, not a whole lot going on with them. Uh, they franchise tagged offensive tackle Orlando Brown. Uh, they got defensive end Frank Clark, uh, signed a new two-year $29 million deal, has a max value of $36 million with incentives. Uh, and then they also added safety Justin Reed to a three-year $31.5 million deal. That includes $20 million guaranteed. I also did see that it sounds like uh, old Tyron Matthew might not be around there anymore. Yeah, that's going to be interesting if he's not sticking around there. But yeah. Kansas City didn't really need to do too much. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, Rich's own Las Vegas Raiders only got one move. And I got to say, story with this one, this one confused the shit out of me for, for a second. Uh, defensive end Max Crosby signed a four-year $98.98 million contract extension, $95 million in new money, $53 million of it guaranteed. Get your money. This confused the shit out of me because I was running around whenever this deal came out, and I thought it said Mason Crosby. Oh, jeez. And I went, wait, they gave how much to a fucking kicker? Oh, it's Max Crosby. Okay. But I tell you what, this Crosby is worth every penny to the Raiders. If you didn't see him play, and I got a chance to see him a lot this season, uh-huh. he takes over games. He is what they need in Vegas. Smart move. Lock yeah. him up. No issues with this. I think it's a brilliant idea to make sure he's happy, and obviously the Raiders fan base got to be extremely happy with this. And boy, oh boy, we get to the L.A. Chargers, and as if as if that division ain't getting any more interesting. Uh, as we mentioned last week, they re-signed Mike Williams, three years, $60 million deal. We talked about that last week. Uh, defensive tackle Austin Johnson is expected to sign with the Chargers, according to Ian Rappaport. No, no numbers yet. Uh, they also are expected to sign Sebastian Joseph Day, the defensive lineman, on a three-year, $24 million deal with $15 million fully guaranteed. Then they acquired Khalil Mack in a trade uh, in exchange for the 2022 second-round pick and a sixth-rounder in 2023. Uh, as with all of the trades, it does not become uh, official until the start of the newly year. And they also assigned former Patriot cornerback Mr. INT, J.C. Jackson, to a five-year $82.5 million deal, $40 million of it guaranteed. Yo. Well, where do we begin here? Uh, I'll start with J.C. Jackson. Uh, congratulations to you on getting that bag, on getting that Brinks truck. Uh, the Chargers are getting a hell of a player, one of the better cornerbacks, cornerbacks in the league, although he's only a year younger than Gilmore was when the Patriots let him go. Um, but Hey, it's a hell of a lot of money. I'm not, listen, if that was his deal on the, on the table, I'm not surprised when is the last time the Patriots have ever made a deal that large. Uh, never. Yeah. You know, so, Hey, good for you. I think it's a smart move. I think the Mac deal is a very interesting one too. Mac and Bosa on the same field. Holy fuck. But now here's where I say it's really interesting. The chargers have been here before. Uh huh. They've had all the talent in the world, and yet they can't put it together. Nope. So with all these moves on paper, yeah, they should be good. Should is the key word. We see time in and time out with this franchise. We legit don't know what team is going to show up. Facts. This is not as bad as Atlanta, because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? But this is pretty damn close. And I'm sorry, like, if you're a Chargers fan, you should be excited about this. And I'm not telling you not to be. But let's face it, we've been down this road before. Uh Uh-huh. This is nothing new. They go out and they get big names, they bring them in, and then for whatever reason, it never comes together on Sundays. Yep. So, if you're a Chargers fan, you got to hope this is the time. Because if it's not now, adding those two to your defense, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not. 
And I'm sorry, the fact that you paid that much for Mike Williams too, whew, you had better be putting up 35 a game and you'd be only giving up about 14. I'm just putting that out there because anything else is going to be the same old stuff from the Chargers. Uh-huh. So here we go again. We shall see. So that was our takes on the AFC. Anybody standing out to you really, Pat? Uh, obviously the Chargers, you know, sinking a metric fuckload and especially shoring up that defense, which I'm sorry, like uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on defense is like some Madden shit that scares the shit out of me. I got to look and see if the Patriots are playing them. Yikes. I agree. Like that one should be, but honestly, I, I can't sit there and go like, uh, I, I like you want to crown them, but you can't. Right. Just with their pedigree, it's not going to happen. But I don't want to give my official grades until the end because I want to see the whole picture. So we're going to sneak away for a quick break. Hashtag ODPHpod. Hit us up and let us know how your team is doing. If you're in the the AFC, do you like the moves your teams have been doing? Yes or no? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Last one, we were talking NFL free agency. Started with the AFC, now we're in the NFC. Uh, switching over to the NFC and the NFC East, you got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they re-signed Michael Gallup to a five-year, $57.5 million deal. That includes $23 million of it fully guaranteed and has the max value of $62.5 million. There's also a $10 million signing bonus. Uh, Dalton Schultz got the franchise tag. Uh, they got Demarcus Lawrence to a new three-year, $40 million contract and $30 million of it guaranteed. So Dallas making some moves and uh, some questionable ones, obviously, as we mentioned with Amari Cooper and then uh, and then, and then, and then with the defensive player who went to, to Denver. But they're still shoring up some guys. They're shoring up some guys, sure. But, you know, involving Dallas, you tied up too much money with guys that uh-huh. you shouldn't be paying that much to. That's on Jerry. That's not on anybody else. I mean, it's it's the it's the uh, Miami Heat effect when they had Bosh, Wade, and LeBron. That like so much money was tied up into those three guys that basically the rest of the roster was signing to the league minimum. Yeah, and the fact that you took away uh, Dak's number one weapon in Cooper, uh-huh. like that's a bad look. I'm sorry. And is Zeke going to be the same old Zeke? I mean, for how old he is, and let's face it, he's got a lot. He's starting to get tread on the tires. Yep, that's a lot of money to tie up with somebody like that. Yes, it is. Just saying. Uh, and then you got coaches, New York football giants, who aren't doing a whole lot, but they are addressing at least one need that we've said for fucking the entirety of the show that they need to address, and that's the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, they did sign offensive line John Feliciano to a contract with the Giants. They also agree got Mike uh, Glowinski to a three-year, $20 million contract with $11.4 million guaranteed. Uh, also, as is being reported as we speak by Adam Schefter, they are bringing in veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor on a two-year, $17 million deal with eight and a half of it guaranteed. Okay. I'm not shocked at this. No. I'm not shocked at all. No. Because who's the new head coach? Dabble. Uh-huh. Where did he come from? Buffalo. Who's the new GM? Buffalo. Buffalo. So that being said, Buffalo yeah, Bills South. It's yeah, literally. Get the tables. <laughs> I don't they're gonna need to get a lot more than that to fix this team. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Like Feliciano, like I said, that's a great move. I hated seeing leave Buffalo, but obviously he was gonna make a lot of money somewhere. And he is somebody that knows Dabble's system. So that's a smart move for them. Yeah. I'm not mad about the move at all. But this is also a situation that they're going to take their time, and this is where Giants fans are going to need to find the little word 
called patience. <laughs> it's not in their dictionary. It's not going to happen, though. So they're going to be saying the sky is falling when they're 0-3 to start the season. The way that the Bills organization runs things is they build through the draft. They're going to be trying to do the same thing here in New York. So it's going to take them 30 years to do it? Possibly. Without Tom Brady being in that division? Well, the one thing is they're going to be doing a lot of the same things that Buffalo was doing with Carolina. They're going to get players that are familiar to them, and they're going to try plug and playing. It's not the worst idea in the world, especially with how successful Buffalo has been the past couple of years. So you can't be too mad about that. In fact, I'm going to put out on a limb. I think Cole Beasley winds up down there before it's all said and done. Wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, you still have Daniel Jones as your quarterback. Your offensive line, while it has been addressed, you still need a lot of addressing to do it. So to make anything work down there, it's going to be time-consuming. And that's the thing that, unfortunately, in that New York market, you're not going to have a lot of because Giants fans – still thinks it's the days of Eli, and they're going to be able to flip it on like a switch. Eli ain't coming through those doors anytime soon, folks. Exactly. There is not going to be anybody coming through those doors that's really going to take over unless they do some kind of crazy move for Deshaun Watson. I don't see that happening. No. I Knowing the GM, I don't think that's going to do it, and I don't think he should either. Listen, you have enough problems on that team that you need to address trying to restructure it with forfeiting your entire draft to go get him would be crazy. Right. So I think for the Giants, listen, it's it's same old stuff there, but they at least are taking the baby steps. And the question is, will the fan base and media let them do it? Right. Survey says no. Uh, switching to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, just one, uh, they made four deal, four moves, one of, of note though. Uh, they got center Jason Kelsey to sign a new one-year contract worth $14 million. So that, uh, they convinced him to come back for one year, which is, hey, good for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, also of note, I guess, uh, linebacker Hassan Reddick uh, signed a three-year, $45 million deal. It includes $30 million of it fully guaranteed in a max value of $49.5 million. Wow. Oof. It's a lot of money getting thrown around. Yeah. Uh, oh, then you got the Washington Commanders, uh, who, uh, of note, they did acquire quarterback Wash Carson Wentz uh, in exchange for a 2022 third-rounder and a 2023 uh, third-rounder. Uh, which the that pick can convert to a second rounder based on Carson Wentz snap totals. Uh, so they now have the uh, their quarterback. It would appear, although which Carson Wentz will show up? Who's to say? Let's not forget the man did fracture both fucking ankles on a singular play this past season. I hate saying this, I really do, but his time's done. Mm-hmm. The fact that Washington wants to gamble on him, like, listen, it's your money, not mine. Yep. I hate saying this about somebody because he has tried coming back from injury after injury after injury. Like, listen, I applaud him for it. I think that it's very noble that he wants to go out on his own terms. And listen, I'm not mad at him about this. I don't root against him. Right. But at this stage in the game, listen, I just I don't see anything working here that means anything productive for your franchise moving forward. To me, he's the new generation version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, he's a good quarterback when he's healthy and when he's on, but you're not going to get much out of him. No, you're, you're definitely not going to get much out of him. Man. He, he's a guy that you, you know, you need a journeyman or a or a bridge to get you to that next quarterback Yeah, in the draft or whatever it is. And, hey, we need a guy, you know, this year's, let's just all hypothetical, oh, this year's draft class sucks. We need a guy to plug in there. Oh, all right, Carson's available. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do something. I mean, I, but Washington has more problems than anything, so who yeah. knows? Who knows? Uh, another team having a lot of issues and doing absolutely nothing to address them is in the NFC North with the Chicago Bears. Hey. They've done one move. Uh, defensive tackle Larry OGU, NJOBI, uh, to a three-year deal worth $40.5 million. That's it. That's all they've done. They need, like, every other offensive and defensive position addressed. Uh, and they've done fuck all. Of uh, course, you do have rumors that the team might get sold when its current owner passes away, but that's a whole other ball of wax. It's a whole other ball of wax, but they got more problems they know what to do with. On the flip side, you have the Detroit Lions who are making moves like it's going out of fucking style. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine moves they've made, uh, including they re-signed quarterback Tim Boyle. Uh, listen, he ain't going to start, no, but, but it's a backup in case something happens to golf. Sure. Uh, wide receiver DJ Chark uh, signed a one-year $10 million deal that is fully guaranteed. Uh, they also re-signed uh, wide receiver Khalif Raymond and wide receiver Josh Reynolds. Uh, they re-signed their center, Evan Brown. Uh, re-signed defensive end Charles Harris. Linebacker Alex uh, Enzalone. Uh, safety Tracy Walker. And then defensive back CJ Moore. So a lot of re-signings, but you know, uh, they did add DJ Chark to a $10 million deal. Yeah, and he's coming out of Jacksonville where she didn't exactly light up the stats, but nope. you know Detroit is Detroit. Uh-huh. So at least they're gonna be on the field. Yeah. I mean, they just gotta put some stuff together, but you know, whenever they make moves like this, yep. they could surprise. They really could, but they don't have the structure in place that I would feel comfortable going to. Uh-huh. Like I'm just saying, like, for the culture that they have, it's not like a winning one. Like they have up in Green Bay right now, like right. That they have in Pittsburgh, New right. England. Right. You know, like it's a situation where you're going to be the first of your class to do this. Uh huh. Are you good enough to really hang with the Aaron Rodgers of your division, the Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins? Mm-hmm. If you're not, you got to find a way to do this. But I didn't hear anything about those signings that really makes me go, okay, we're going to be contending. I'm going to make a comparison and don't get mad. To me, the Detroit Lions are like the New York Knicks. Very storied, great history, long, long time in the, in their respective sport, but the last however many years, total fucking crap. No, I mean, that's not a bad statement. I mean, listen. They've made attempts to get better, much like the Knicks. Yeah. Knicks brought in Carmelo and Porzingis and all that other stuff. Didn't pan out for him. You know, they had Matthew Stafford and they had Megatron and didn't pan out for him. No, I mean, that's an honest comparison. I can't argue with that. I really can't. It's going to be one of the situations in Detroit that they're going to have to get somebody in there uh-huh. that's going to be able to turn it around and give you a, a sense of, like, if you're a fan or if you're a player watching, this franchise is on the uprise. Right. Looking at that list, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't see anybody jumping out there that's saying that to me. No. I'd like to see Detroit win. I don't hate Detroit. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually like to be able to watch a Detroit Thanksgiving game and not see and go, all right, depends on who they're playing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see them go like 0-16, but I just, no. I just I'm looking at this saying, have you made enough moves that you're going to get over the hump and can get right respectability back? I don't, right. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of story and respectability, uh, we are next up are the Green Bay Packers, and we finally got the firm details on Aaron Rodgers' deal. Boy, Rappaport wasn't far off. Uh, Aaron Rodgers signed an extension that pays $150.815 million uh, over the next three years 
With 101.515 million fully guaranteed, the new deal drops his 2022 salary cap hit by about 18 million dollars. Uh, also, kudos to the folks in the front office in charge of financials. You're doing a lot of work up there. Goddamn. They need to. Uh, Devonte Adams was, of course, franchise tag, but he has told the Packers he will not play on the tag in 2022. So it's a deal, or he's sitting out. Uh, they did uh, give a second-round restricted free agent tender worth $3.986 million to wide receiver Alan Lazard. They signed uh, Devondre Campbell to a five-year deal worth $50 million. He's a linebacker. And they also signed linebacker Preston Smith to a four-year extension worth $52.5 million in new money. In all, Smith gets more than $65 million over five years with a chance to make $71 million. Well, if Adams wants to talk to the GM, all he's got to do is talk to Rodgers. Apparently. Because Rodgers is the real GM. I'm sorry. He he forced his hand. Their GM is non-existent, in my opinion. Uh-huh. He's, all, he's there in appearance only. All Rodgers is going to do is walk in that front office and say, give him what he wants. The, the, the GM in Green Bay is much like the Queen of England. Respect to the Queen. She's there, but like she doesn't really do much in terms of the government. She ain't doing, yeah, like I say. The, the GM's there, but, like, he ain't the GM. No. But this is a situation that they're going to work that deal out, and if Christian Kirk is getting paid that much, you're going to have to restructure <laughs> a lot for Devontae Adams. I'm just saying. Back up the Brinks truck. They're going to have to work a deal out, but that's who Rodgers wants. They're going to keep him. The, mm-hmm. the fact that you've now gone all in, and he could say he's not going to play, then that just means, Aaron, can you get this deal done? And he's going to. There's no chance he's going to miss more than three games this season. Well, take injuries out of this. I'm saying from this contract deal. He might miss preseason, but he'll show up by game three. This isn't going to be a long holdout. All he's going to do is go to the GM and say, listen, go re-up the deal. Right. Let's make this happen. Right. We can work out some dead money. We'll figure something out. Sticking up uh, in the frigid northern part of the country, uh, the Minnesota Vikings signed Kirk Cousins to a one-year, $35 million fully guaranteed extension that puts him under contract through the 2023 season and reduces his 2022 cap number by almost $14 million. And I know you're laughing. Hold on. This man is a better negotiator than Matt Flynn ever was, for those of you who don't remember. Oh, my God. Matt Flynn was a backup for like his entire career and made a shitload of money. Uh, this, according to Warren Sharp uh, on Twitter, who uh, uh, writes for NBC Sports, among other things, quote, Kirk Cousins has a 59-59-2 record as an NFL quarterback, performs slightly above average, and has made $231,669,486 in his NFL career. When he retires. He's set for life. I hope he writes a book. <laughs> about business management. Holy fuck, he could he could teach a college course. Between no, this is okay, I'm gonna pitch this for the offseason. I need Kirk Cousins, Matt Flynn, and Ryan Fitzpatrick to just sit around a round table uh-huh. and say, This is how you get a deal done in the NFL. Do you like a WWE table for three? Oh my god, yes. The fact that he now once again he got Minnesota again. Uh-huh. I can't believe he this. You can't keep getting away with this. He is a master con artist about this. It's insane. Because what the fuck has he done for you lately? Exactly. For him to get paid. You can't can't even say the Minneapolis miracle because that was Case Keenum. Yeah. You gave him 35 guaranteed on top of the 90 guaranteed prior. Uh Uh-huh. 
You've got a hundred. What the hell, man? You've got a you've got a hundred and twenty plus million dollars into this man for a five hundred record, and let's face it, if you factor in the two ties, it's below five hundred. How? Like, I, I, like I really want to sit there in that front office, and when this number got pushed back to him by his agent, they really said, "Yeah, that makes sense." I honestly want to. Like, are we watching the games? I honestly wonder if he sat there, you know, and went, "Is that wait? Is this real?" I, 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 no, I think what he did is he slid it across the table. He went, you like that? <laughs> and they, and like, I don't understand. Like, <sighs> I mean, 2016, 19.9 million fully guaranteed. 17, 2017, 23.9 million fully guaranteed. 2018, 26 million fully guaranteed. 2019, 28 million fully guaranteed. 2020, 40 million guaranteed. 2021, 21 million fully guaranteed. 2022, 30 million fully guaranteed. And 2023, 40 million guaranteed. It's absolutely insane. Uh, when Reach for Comment, Kirk Cousins tweeted, quote, Now that that's out of the way, let's go to work on a Lombardi. Hashtag let's freaking go. Smiley emoji. Well, there's a first time for everything. I hope you're building one out of a puzzle because you ain't going to get one in Minnesota, my guy. I'm sorry. Like, my guy. This is not. It's insane. This is not going to happen for you. I, I like listen. I don't hate Minnesota either. No, but the fact that he's fleeced you for 120 million fucking dollars, what the shit? I, I got nothing. I legit am sitting here stunned at this. That you gave him willingly 35 mil guaranteed after you signed him and overpaid mm-hmm. for those three years, 90 million. Yep. Like, he was supposed to be the guy to take you to the Super Bowl, and yet uh-huh. he was not the guy to do this in any kind of playoff run known to man. And to my knowledge, and this is without looking it up, I don't think he's even won them a division. I think he won them the first year. Okay. I, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go out on a limb and say that I think they did. But they didn't do anything in the playoffs. Like, I'm sorry, you can win the division all you want, but if you're not going anywhere deep in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. No. Like, listen, it's a nice trophy to put in the front office that you won your division. Hey, congratulations. But at the end of the day, we all don't go, hey, do you remember who won the NFC North? Uh, The last division win was in 2017. Okay. So, like I said, I can't even remember because, like, that's that's been so far with him. And just to see now. (sighs) Yeah. Also, they did uh, sign defensive lineman Harrison Phillips to a three-year, $19.5 million deal. It includes eight and a half in year one, 13 fully guaranteed. Goddamn. Yep. Uh, switching to the NFC South, you've got the, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Not doing a whole lot of moves. Uh, they did agree to a three-year extension with offensive tackle Jake Matthews. That'll pay him $52.5 million over the first three years uh, and also reduces his cap number for this year. I can understand that. Uh, they also re-signed their kicker, Young Ho uh, Koo, uh, to a five-year, $24.25 million contract extension that includes $11.5 million guaranteed. What? Uh-huh, for a kicker. What? Uh huh. Also heard a rumor this morning that they're also in the mix for Deshaun Watson's services. Okay, I don't know what's more crazy: that rumor or the fact they signed their kicker for that much money? Five years, twenty-four point two five million dollar contract extension, eleven and a half guaranteed. Listen, there's only one kicker that should get signed for that right now at this moment, and that's the man in Cincinnati. Not wrong. That is insane to me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Think happy thoughts. All right, so the hey. Watson deal. That would make a big move for Atlanta. Uh-huh. 
it would make sense. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, the Matt Ryan experiment. I mean, I don't want to say experiment because he actually was successful there. But he's now getting to that stage where it is time to start looking elsewhere. And for Atlanta, it's never too early to start a rebuild. Right. So with Watson there, you got the new tight end. You can definitely do that, and I think you should kind of consider that move. I don't, I don't know if they could sneak in there and do that because mm-hmm. we're going to say a lot of picks are involved. So yeah. if they can definitely move that, I would, I would do that move in a heartbeat if I'm Atlanta. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, next up are the Carolina Panthers, who have done a couple of moves. Uh, they are expected to sign offensive guard Austin Corbett to a three-year deal worth $29.25 million. Uh, they re-signed their safety, Sean Chandler. They acquired uh, safety Xavier Woods. Uh, no, not that Xavier Woods from WWE, ah. but the, the guy who used to be in Minnesota to a three-year $15.75 million deal. And then they also uh, got their kicker, Zane Gonzalez, agreed to a two-year uh, $4.5 million contract. So not a whole lot, but hey, you still got McCaffrey uh, for now. Yeah, for now. For now. They are still listening to deal uh, offers, which it'll take, you know, earth, the moon, and all the heavens to get him to move. Yeah, but at this stage, too, he's so injury-prone, I'd be skeptical of signing him. Uh-huh. Uh, next up are the New Orleans Saints, who've done nothing. Yeah, that's kind of puzzling that they have not made any moves, but, you know, it's a transition year for him. so yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, and then we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'll leave the elephant uh, for last. Uh, they acquired Shaq Mason, of the offensive guard, in a trade with the New England Patriots in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round pick. Uh, of course, the trade is not official until Wednesday. Uh, wide receiver Russell Gage is exci- expected to sign with Tampa Bay. Uh, we, as we noted last week, the Godwin got the franchise tag. Uh, they got re-signed their offensive guard, Aaron Stinney. Uh, Ryan center, Ryan Jensen, uh, re-signed to a three year, $39 million deal that includes 23 of it guaranteed. And then cornerback Carlton Davis re-signing on a three year, $45 million deal that includes 30 million guaranteed. And of course, Tom Brady is coming out of retirement and will play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2022 NFL season. Although if you listen to Florio, that might not be the case. Uh, but of course that does mean Tom Brady's retirement lasted all of like 40 fucking days. Uh, and here's a list according, uh, thanks to the folks over at SB nation of things that lasted longer than Tom Brady's retirement, <laughs> the gestation period of a porcupine, which is at 112 days, the 2007, 2008 writers guild strike. That was uh, 98 days. Interesting. The entire TV run of Why the Last Man, that was 67 days. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell's holdout with the Raiders, that was 60 days. Oh, God. Uh, the number of days Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO was at number one, that was 62 days. Yikes. The lifespan of a housefly, that is 60 days. The accepted time for a perfectly dry-aged steak, that's 45 days. Brett Favre's retirement, that was 150 days. How long it takes to grow kale, that's 59 days. The day number of days Home Alone was number one at the box office, that was 84 days. Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphreys, that was 72 days. And the entire 2021-2022 Major League Baseball lockout, that was 99 days. Tom Brady was all retired for shorter than all of those things. I think Brady was sitting in that offseason seeing the money getting thrown to Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and was saying, I think I can get one more deal out of this. Could be. Because I don't know if this team is built ready to go right now to win a Super Bowl. No. So, for me, this is a money grab. And I think that he could not handle in that offseason that 
the sport moved on without him. Yeah. Like, that. that's how it reads to me. I mean, I think it just became a case, because I know a lot of theories and speculation have been thrown around, and I'm not going to sit here and, you know, sure. speak on those. What I what I personally think happened, and in, in you, if you talk to or you hear any former NFL player, it doesn't matter what position they, they play, you all, I know Teddy Bruschi talked about it, but, like, the year after you retire, typically around the time minicamp star or, or uh, what is it, um unofficial OTAs like the, yeah, the OTAs the optional OTAs that's when you start getting the itch because you did it for so many years it's instinctual for you to go oh hey got to get it you know that's when you start to get it but then as time goes on you kind of move, move away from the the team and the sport you don't get those urges anymore i think that might have happened for him and it just became a point where he couldn't ignore it because let's face it football is what he does yeah he's going to do stuff after he retires but at the end of the day, football is in his blood. It's in his DNA. It's what he wants to do. And if he feels he can go and not pull a Chuck Liddell and like be at the end of his career where it's like, holy shit, dude, you need to retire, more power to you. Go for it. Yeah, I get it. I think he just doesn't want to go out on how he lost last year. I think that's also part of it. Which I understand the competitive nature. I mean, obviously the GOAT doesn't want to go out with that being the last memory. But do you really think you can make one more run with this team you're going to? That's the ultimate question. And I think he does. I like. Do I see it? No. Right. I don't see it at all. So this is now where it becomes interesting. And I've, like I said, I feel this is a money grab. And I don't blame him. No. He took so many money-friendly deals in New England. If he wants to get paid, get paid. Somebody's going to do it. And I think he probably saw that Kirk Cousins deal. It was like $35 million <laughs> for him. Oh, I can definitely go get something out of here. Yeah. This is going to be interesting, but I fear, and this is something that I don't want to see, but I think we're going to see. Right. He's how old now? Uh, He'll be 45 when the season starts. Okay. If he starts diminishing in skills. I mean, and he's going to. He is. He, if you watch game film, he cannot throw the ball as far as he used to. And, and and when he does get those deep balls off, it's not as crisp or as tight as they used to be. There's a little, there's a little wobble to it. Right. If he starts falling off like Peyton did his last year, is this what you really want to come back to? Yeah. Is this really how you want people to remember you? Because, like, let's face it. We all know Peyton Manning was a great Indianapolis Colt. Uh-huh. He had a couple good years in Denver, but that last one... Yeah, the defense carried his ass. Exactly. Do you think somebody with Brady's competitive nature is going to handle that well? No. That's why I say he's a different guy than Peyton Manning is. First guy in, last guy out. Right. So I understand what Tom is doing. I get it. But I just feel like this is a money grab because I don't think he wants to go out like that. And sure, I mean, if he does and he wins the Super Bowl, like, listen. Sure. Hollywood is going to be making that movie first thing Tuesday morning of the Super Bowl week. But I just don't see it at this stage. And I don't want to see him hang around too long, like you touched upon. Mm-hmm. The ball is not having the same old zip he's going to have. He no. can't beat Father Time. Nobody does. So now you're going to take one last shot. And if he does not come out looking like the Tom Brady of old, it's a waste. you got enough money that you can live happily the rest of your life. Right. Why come back when it's not there? I mean, you've already got essentially every offensive statistical – quarterback record i can think of yeah like there's not like it's not like ah shit you're you're four touchdowns short of the touchdown record like no you got that you got the you got the wins you got the you've not the only one the only one he can get 
he could try to get as if he were some parallel universe to go back to New England and play with Belichick again and go for that record with like a coach and, and player if he doesn't already have that. Yeah. But like yards he's got, touchdowns he's got, like Super Bowls he's got. What else is there? There is nothing. And that's the thing that's most puzzling about this. That he had to do this during selection Sunday too. Oh, I know. Which it's like this that's why I said this it feels like an ego move to me. Kinda. Because you retired during Super Bowl week and then now you're coming back on so- selection Sunday. Like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but hey, no. listen, it's his life. He's got to do it how he does it. And then lastly, we have the NFC West, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Of note, uh, they got James Conner to agree to a three-year, $21 million extension that includes $16 million over the first two years. So I'd say that's a good signing for them. He's a pretty good running back. Yeah, it'll be okay for them. And then they got Zach Ertz to re-sign on a three-year, $31.65 million contract. That includes $17.5 million guaranteed. Smart move for them. Smart move for them. Uh, over on the LA Rams side, not a whole lot going on there. Uh, they re-signed their offensive tackle Joe Joe Noteboom to a three-year, forty million dollar deal that includes twenty-five million guaranteed. This has a max value of forty-seven and a half million dollars. And they also re-signed their center Brian Allen to a three-year deal. So not a whole lot going on. But hey, listen, uh, they're the defending champs. They need much going on. Exactly. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, also not a whole lot going on. They signed running back uh, Jim Cal Hasty uh, J A M Y C. Jamichael Hasty. Jamichael Hasty. Thank you. Uh, to a one-year extension, uh, and then uh, Charvarius Ward uh, agreed to terms on a three-year, forty and a half million dollar deal. Uh, and then you've got the Seattle Seahawks, which, yo boy, uh, obviously they acquired uh, quarterback Drew Locke from the Denver Broncos, which we talked about uh, last week. Uh, they got their tight end, Will Disley, to re-sign on a three-year, $24 million contract. Uh, they got Noah Font in that trade with the Denver Broncos, as I mentioned, also along with Shelly Harris. Uh, they re-signed defensive tackle Al Woods uh, to a two-year, $9 million deal. Uh, and then they also re-signed their cornerback, Sidney Jones and Quandre Diggs. Well, Seattle's going to be Seattle. Uh-huh. You know, I think you guys set the bar very, very low this year for him. So none of those moves really scare me too much. Looking at that list, Pat, who do you think is winning so far? It's hard to say. There's a lot of good deals, but it's it's hard to say right now any one team is like, that's it. They made the moves that will really put them over the hump. I mean, Tom Brady obviously helps a lot if you look at the Vegas odds. But... It's, it's hard for me to sit there and say, oh, this is the one team that very clearly is winning free agency right now. The only one that really stood out to me was Green Bay. Yeah. I think that, obviously, locking Aaron Rodgers up was a big deal. You got his weapons around him for the most part. The Devontae Adams thing. You I, just like, got to sort that that's out. That's a formality. That's not going to take as long. The nucleus is there to make a run. So I think that move is very, very smart for them. I also think Pittsburgh did solid. And, like, Trubisky is not the worst person to put in for that offense i mean i did talk to a pittsburgh Steelers fan today and i and i semi-jokingly said hey congratulations on your new quarterback and they told me quote hey he's better than what we had and that's not wrong no at this stage in the game no trubisky will get the ball out there and plus you got mason rudolph who's not all that great and then you've got dwayne haskins who listen maybe his mentality has changed but from the reports and what i had been told by other pittsburgh steelers fans when he had an opportunity to go in last season and they asked about, and the press was out asking him about plays and playbooks and he went, why bother studying? Yeah, I heard those reports too. So I think that that whole quarterback class is not anything to write home about from that draft. Except Kyler Murray. But I often forget he's in there because he was overshined by the Messiah himself. Danny Dimes. 
Yeah, it's one of the weird things about football, and this is why free agency matters so much, because if you misfire in the draft, you're literally going to have to pay for it later. And this is what happens for a lot of these teams. So it's been an interesting offseason thus far with free agency kicking in in full yeah, gear. Yeah, We gave you our picks for the AFC. We gave you our picks for the NFC. ODPH Society, why don't you let us know how your team is doing overall? Who do you think won? Who do you think lost? Let's discuss, shall we? Hashtag ODPH Pod. We're going to get a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it's March Madness season time, baby. Beware the odds of March. Yes. The tournament to crown the champions in college basketball kicks off tonight. We'll say the thing that will be on all of your break room televisions for like the next month. Yes. And fun fact, Thursday, as we are recording, will be the most called in sick day of work. I believe the entire year. It's already been said time and time again every year. I believe it. More people tune in to the kickoff of the men's college basketball tournament than any other sporting function known to man. So if you're missing some people from work, I'm not going to say where there are, but I'm going to say check your local bars. This is probably where they're not going to be at. And obviously the tournament is one of the best, if not all the best tournaments in sports. Yeah, I'd say so. You have to say because this is a tourney that literally anything can happen. All you need is one shining moment. And things can happen in your way. Legends are made. uh, Hearts are broken. It's a fun, emotional ride if you're a sports fan, unless you're on the losing side of the ball. This year's bracket, I will have to say, Pad, the most parody I have ever seen. I'd say so, yeah. I don't have a good feeling one way or another about any team running away with this thing. Yeah, because a lot of times you fill out one of these, whether it's for fun, you're in a pool, you're doing it just amongst your friends, and usually you know, some folks like to fill out a, a bracket where their own favorite team wins and then fill out their actual one. I've done that a few years. But then... A lot of years you fill it out, you're like, all right, I think one of these these couple teams are going to win it. I couldn't tell you this year, like, nope, that's the team to beat in this year's tournament. Exactly. This one has got so many possibilities. Yeah. And especially looking at how this season is, and I know we don't cover a lot of college basketball on the show. Usually we wait for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, to come in because he is the expert yes. of that. But unfortunately he hasn't been able to make it in in the past couple of weeks. This is where we kind of like eyeball everything going on. And this yeah. season, this is the first time on record I remember seven of the top ten teams lost on a Saturday a couple weeks it ago. It was in something like, yeah, it was like the top six ranked teams or it was top seven ranked teams or something all lost. Yes. It was insane. So what Pat and I are going to do is try making some sense of this, yep. give you our picks about who's going to run away with the brackets. We're going to kind of take it down by each division, yep. who's jumping out at us, who you should avoid. So Pad. Tip us off. Yeah, so I'll start with the West region. Uh, You've got number one, uh, Gonzaga, taking on number 16, Georgia State. Uh, Number eight, Boise State, taking on number nine, Memphis. Number five, UConn, taking on number 12, New Mexico State. Number four, Arkansas, taking on number 13, Vermont. Uh, Number six, Alabama, taking on a number 11 team, which is either going to be North Dakota or Rutgers. Notre Dame, actually. Or Notre Dame, excuse me. Uh, They're going to be, they're in a play-in game. Uh, Then you've got number three, Texas, taking on number 14, Montana State. Uh, Number seven, Michigan State, taking on number 10, Davidson. And then number two, Duke, taking on CSU Fullerton. My apologies to you folks. 
So this bracket really is kind of interesting to see how this maps out. Yeah. Gonzaga is the overall number one. But if you've ever followed them in college basketball, they're much like the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh Uh-huh. Every year they have a loaded team and they just can't get the job done. Usually in the top five, you know, seeds in the college tournament, whatever region they're in, but just never able to punch through that wall and get to the championship. Yeah, it's a weird thing with how they shape up every year because every year you expect them to win. Every Uh year you are like, okay, they should run away with this. And like I said, this year they are the consecutive number one overall seed. Yep. However, though, their bracket is not easy. No. I like Memphis at the ninth seed getting the win over Boise State, and I would not doubt Memphis beating them Uh in that uh, round of 32 matchup. I wouldn't doubt that. But it's hard to really say what's going to happen there because it could really factor in a lot with this. So, like I say, I can't really say, like, comfortably – it's going to happen, but I wouldn't doubt it. But if you want to take a flyer on a team, I'd take a flyer on Memphis. Penny Hardaway is down there. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Doing some things as, oh, yeah. as head coach. So that one really stands out to me. The other one, okay, obviously as a Duke fan. Right. This is Coach K's last ride. Yep. They dropped the ball completely against North Carolina. And the one thing that we have to remember about Duke in this stage, for all the historical years they've had with such great programs and great players coming through there. Yep. It's a changing landscape in college basketball. I'll be the yes. first one to tell you this. Yes. The big dominant schools are not exactly getting all the top recruits anymore. No, it's not like college football. No, it's definitely not. And you're seeing with Duke, they have a very talented team, but it's a very young team. Uh-huh. And they do play like a very young team. And what I mean by this is they make a lot of mistakes. They have the talent to take over. They right. don't necessarily do that all the time. Right. So for Coach K to get that final chip, it's a tough road for him. Oh, yeah. I fully believe this. Because as fate would have it, and I'm, I'm not going to say anything more than this because I get myself in trouble when I try saying about you know certain stars aligning. Uh-huh. The fact that Michigan State is the number seven. Uh-huh. And Duke and Michigan State have had a rivalry uh-huh. in this tournament uh-huh. like nobody else. This is cruel ratings, whatever you want to define it. Like uh-huh. I, I, I try to, I'm gonna find like a nice way to put it. Yeah, but this is like a cruel twist of fate. Like I understand this is gonna be ratings, and this is what you want with the tournament, and sure. you're hoping everybody gets there. Sure. That's going to be the toughest challenge, I think, for Duke right now because I don't care if Michigan State's the number seven. Tom Izzo's the head coach. Uh-huh. And the one thing about this, if you're not familiar filling out a bracket, find out who the head coach is and if they've been a successful one. Or do like some people just pick based off of the mascots. I've known people who have success that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. So like that's why I say when you see this going on, anything is possible with this. And you could really take a flyer on them. So, like I say, I'm not doubting by any means Michigan State pulls off the upset. Duke is not the Duke of old. No. I would love to see Coach K get back there. I really would. And I think if they can get past Michigan State, he's got a good shot. Right. Gonzaga does not scare me, even though being the number one seed. They don't. I would say if Duke can get past Michigan State, I'm going to pencil him in for the Final Four. I really am. Because I don't think Gonzaga is going to get past Memphis easily. No. And then looking at the rest of the bracket, I think New Mexico State could be a 12-5 upset. If you're not familiar with that in your bracket, every year there's always a 12-5 upset. Yep. So this one could be UConn doesn't scare me. They're not the UConn of old. No. It doesn't matter who's coming out of Rutgers, Notre Dame. Alabama's going to take that one. 
Pad, what's your feelings? Uh, a lot of this bracket or this region really doesn't scare me. Gonzaga, listen, I don't think they're going to make it to the Final Four. They'll, they'll make a decent run, but they'll get still get bumped along the way. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think if Duke can get – I listen, Michigan State being a seven is astounding to me. You know, Tom Izzo is still the head coach there. I think if anyone out of this uh, this region can make a run – and, it, and it, that team is not named Duke. I think Michigan State and Tom Izzo can do it. But I I agree with you 100%. If Duke can get past Michigan State, the path is clear for them to make a run to the Final Four. Because, okay, Gonzaga, I, I think Duke can easily beat Gonzaga. Boise State and Memphis, yeah, they can beat them in their sleep. Same with UConn, New Mexico State, Arkansas, Vermont, Bama, Rutgers, or Notre Dame, whoever that ends up being, Texas Tech, Montana State, you know, Hell, even if Davidson somehow pulls off the upset and, and beats Michigan State, I think Duke can beat all of them. And may, if they're on and they don't have a repeat of their last couple of losses, I think Duke can can make a run to the Final Four. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. Next bracket, uh, we're looking at the Eastern Conference. Uh, you've got number one Baylor taking on number sixteen Norfolk State, uh, number eight North Carolina taking on number nine Marquette. Number five, St. Mary's taking on a playing game, uh, so that uh, matchup is to be determined. Uh, number four, UCLA taking on number, what is that, 13, uh, Akron. Six, ranked Texas taking on the 11th seed, Virginia Tech. Three, number three, Purdue taking on number 14, Yale. Uh, number seven, Murray State taking on number 10, San Francisco. And number two, Kentucky taking on number, what is that, uh... Sorry, the numbers are really small. 15, St. Peter's. Well, at that stage, it really doesn't matter because, you know what, very rarely do you see a 15 upset of two. Well, it's happened. A couple it's, times. It's happened. And as much as I disdain Kentucky, because I really, really don't like Kentucky. Well, I don't blame you. Well, I don't like their head coach. That's just, that's how Shout I, out John Calipari. Yeah. Coach loves him, though. Um, this bracket... Is pretty wide open in its own right. I mean, Baylor being the defending champions, making another run at this. Uh, but I don't really like have like a good feeling coming out of this one. Yeah. Like, could Kentucky make a run? Sure. Looking over that rest of the bracket, Purdue could sneak in there. Maybe Marquette pulls off something. But for me, as I'm reading it, I don't see how Baylor doesn't get back there. Right. I know this is not the same Baylor team of last year, but... This bracket really is not impressing me about the talent that's in there. Like about saying like, okay, yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. like gonna yeah, run yeah, yeah. away with this. I mean, this bracket to me is like ultimately every year there's at least one region in everyone's bracket that just completely screws it up nine ways to Sunday. This to me right now is the region because there's just not one team there outside of Baylor or Kentucky that I'm like, oh yeah, that's the team that might be able to sneak through and do the whole thing. Like, there's gonna be a lot of friggin' red marks on your bracket with this region all said and done. Yeah, because I mean, North Carolina's not North Carolina old. No, Marquette could be a sleeper, but you need a lot of luck. Like I say, oh yeah. All right, so if I gotta say final prediction on the on the Eastern bracket, uh, I'm taking Baylor. I'll take Kentucky. <sighs> well, I listen. I don't do it willingly or with any wellness in my heart. But... Yeah, I get you. I get you. Uh, next up, looking at the Southern region, you've got number one, Arizona, taking on a uh, playing game, so that matchup is to be determined. You've got number eight, Seton Hall, taking on number nine, TCU. Number five, Houston, taking on number 12, UAB. Number four, Illinois, taking on number uh, tw- uh, 13, uh, Chattanooga. Number six, Colorado State, taking on number 11, Michigan. Number three, Tennessee, taking on number t- 14, Longwood. Uh, number seven, Ohio State, taking on number 10, Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean. Shout out. 
number 12, uh, or excuse me, number two, Villanova, taking on number 15, Delaware. Okay, this one has the most headlines to me. Oh, yeah. So there is one team in here, I'm going to see if Pat can figure out, that I raised an eyebrow that they got in. Mm-hmm. Any guesses? Longwood? No. Number 11, Michigan. Oh, okay. Obviously, we spoke at length about the Juwan Howard uh, issue that happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But I did not feel they should have gotten in just on they didn't finish outright very strong. Right. The fact they snuck in here I thought was very, very interesting. Now, if you're not familiar with how the tournament is, the selection committee does it after the automatic bids are given. So if you win your conference tournament, you're in. Everybody else is an at-large, and I know that they weigh strength of schedule very heavily, and I think that that's how Michigan got in. I thought another team like a Wake Forest should have gotten in instead. Nevertheless, I'm going to say Michigan State is going to be in an upset over Colorado State, or Michigan is going to be over one. I can say it. But I'm going to go out on a limb and going to give the wildest prediction I think I could give for this bracket. And I know I'm going to get a call from our good friends over at 30 and Nerdy. Uh-huh. Don't doubt Tennessee taking this bracket. All right. Do not doubt them. They're athletic. They get up and down the court very well. Honestly, I, I thought that they could have been in bid for a number one seed. They The fact that they're a three kind of astounds me a bit. And I would say this. I love that matchup with them and Villanova. Uh-huh. And I'll go out on a limb right now. The winner of that matchup takes this bracket. But I'm going to say Tennessee in an upset. I'm going to say it's going to be getting to the Final Four. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go Loyola. Sister Jean. Wow. Going, going. I'm sticking with Sister Jean. You know, she got the saying it's better to wear out than rust out. It is confirmed. The 102-year-old Sister Jean will be in attendance. Uh, uh, the Loyola Chicago Associate Athletic Director Bill Burns uh, was contacted Monday morning saying, quote, we are anticipating that Sister Jean will be making the trip to Pittsburgh with the team. Close quote. Sister Jean's in attendance. No COVID restrictions. No nothing going on. I like my I like my odds with Sister Jean. You know, usually I'm the one that comes out with this crazy rolling the dice moments here. Pad coming in swinging. Ain't nothing. I uh, listen. I believe in a few things. Sister Jean is one of them. I. You know what? I don't doubt her either. Like I. I could see. I see them beating Ohio State. I'm sorry. Oh well, yeah. Ohio State doesn't yeah. scare me for basketball. But that bottom half of that bracket is one. That's a tough bracket. Like, this oh, yeah. might be the toughest one in the entire bracket. Oh yeah. Of, out of all of Michigan, Michigan could make a run. They don't. Could. Don't doubt the record. I mean, now that they're in, you know me. I think funny things happen when they get in, like on these kind of circumstances. I could see them making a run, maybe to the Elite Eight. But I I got to say, I like the winner of Tennessee and Villanova to take this bracket. But I'm telling you, that bottom half is the one to worry about. The upper half, honestly, I think it's going to be Arizona and Houston meeting at each yeah. other. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, everybody else there is kind of like, eh. I'm sorry, like Arizona, they should get there. Will they get there? I don't know. I'm not putting a ton of stock in that. But they're the number one seed, so you have to give the benefit of the doubt. They have an easier route, I will say. Oh, sure. I'm not seeing Hall and TCU doesn't scare me there. And if Houston can get there, I mean, I think that they'll have a tough matchup against Illinois. That's my picks to get there. Yeah. It, you know, I like their chances, but coming out of that bottom half, I don't doubt Villanova and Jay Wright. Yep. I think that they could definitely do some damage. Oh, to, they could. I mean, that's the thing. You have to go with the coaches. So I do like that, but I'm telling you, Tennessee's the most athletic team in this bracket. I would take them. Sure. So I know Tyler 
is going to be shooting me a message about that, saying I finally agree with him about Tennessee about something, <laughs> which I'll have to disconnect the phone call there. No, of course, yeah. shout out to those guys down there as well. Uh, and then lastly, we have the Midwestern region where you've got number one Kansas taking on a 16 seed uh, yet to be determined. Listen, it don't matter. Uh, in the entire history of the NCAA tournament, uh, one versus 16 t- seeds are 143 and one. Yeah. So uh, not good odds. Uh, you've got number eight, San Diego State taking on number nine, Creighton. Number five, Iowa taking on the number 12, Richmond. Number four, Providence taking on number 13, South Dakota State. Number six, LSU taking on number 11, Iowa State. Number three, Wisconsin taking on number 14, Colgate. Number seven, USC taking on number 10, the U, Miami. And then number two, Auburn taking on number 15, Jacksonville State. This one, I want to just say this is going to be Kansas. Yeah. Like, I'm looking over the field. I don't doubt this could be another 12-5 upset. Richmond plays a very slow style yeah. of basketball. Yeah. But they've, they've got a very seasoned team for this. I could see them giving Iowa some trouble. I really do. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say that could be a 12-5 upset. I'm not, I'm not calling my shot with that one like I did my other one. But I'm going to say I would not be surprised if that's a 12-5. Sure. Uh, Kansas, though, I, I seriously think is going to take that top half of the bracket. And then looking at that lower half, I mean, Auburn should get there. But you never know if a team like Iowa State could get hot. You don't know if the winner of USC and Miami could get hot and make a run. I th- yeah, I think the surprise out of that this region might be Miami. Yeah, you know, just shot in the dark. You know, I'm not saying they're going to make it all the way and win the whole damn thing, but I think they're going to be the one out of this this region to make it further than you think. Yeah, I definitely think so too. I mean, that's the one crazy thing about this is they could make a run. Oh yeah, and you have to really kind of sit there and think like, okay, if they are going to really go deep. They just got to get hot at the right time. I mean, that's right. the one great thing about this tournament is you can have somebody sneak in there and be completely out of left field, and you don't see coming. Oh, yeah. And George Mason years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing about them is, like, you never know, and that's the beauty of these games because, for one, everybody plays defense. I know it's a crazy thing, but this is what happens when they're at the collegiate level. Obviously, when we yeah. get to the pros, nobody yeah. plays it until the playoffs. But that being said... It's kind of wide open for that bracket, but like I say, I'm going to stick with Kansas about that. You took Miami. Yep. All right. So well, that Miami is going to be my my shocker to get further along. I don't think they're going to get all the way to the final four. I think in terms of getting to the final four, I think it's going to be Kansas. Okay. So I got for my final four teams: Duke, yep, Baylor, Kansas, and Tennessee. I've got Duke, uh, Kentucky, Loyola, and then uh, Kansas. All right, so that said, who's in the national championship and who's winning the thing? I'm going to say it's going to be Kansas, and I'm going to say it's going to be uh, Kentucky, and then I think it's going to be Rock Chalk winning the whole thing. Uh, that's a that's a bold pick. Um, I could see that happening, though. For me, though, I believe in fairy tale endings. I think Duke is going to somehow beat Baylor in a very close game. I'll say it's going to go to overtime. Have you been watching Disney movies again? Yeah, you know my Disney Plus. I've, I've been hammering through stuff, man. I'm getting, I'm getting all emotional. I get, get fired up. <laughs> you know, it's like the underdog wins. So I got Duke going, and I'm going to take Tennessee. Okay. And the upset of upsets, except until that final game. I am going to say somehow, some way, Coach K gets that final fairy tale ending. Is it going to be ugly? Yes. Is it going to be pretty to watch? No. 
But it all depends on if he can get past Michigan State. Everybody else that he's going to be facing to get there doesn't scare me. Unless Kentucky winds up facing him coming out of the Baylor bracket. That's the only one I could see some problems being for him. But it all depends if Duke can put it together and just hold on for five games. Right. You know, that that's the thing. They're so young that can they do this? I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's the one thing about Always it. Always a chance. Yep, indeed. So that being said, in fact, we'll even say 76-72. That'll be the score for it. All right. So we gave you our picks. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Who you got winning the Final Four tournament? I mean, listen, I need something. Syracuse isn't in it this year. I need something. They need something. We're definitely going to be talking about this on our social media accounts, so you definitely want to hit us up. Give us your picks. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Gotta talk some uh, little hockey, because uh, obviously Binghamton Black Bear season still going on. Obviously they have clinched the playoff spot. Uh, looking at their games from this past week, uh, they had a game on Friday, March 11th, where they lost to Danbury by the final score of 7-5. They played another game against Danbury. This one was at home on Saturday, March 12th. They lost that game by the final score of 5-3. to Looking ahead to their games, they have this coming week on Friday, March 18th. They have a game uh, on the road at 7 o'clock. They're playing the Danbury Hattricks again. Uh, they return home Saturday, March 19th, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, to play the Danbury Hattricks. And then they have another game on or on Sunday, March 20th. This is at 3 p.m. Eastern. Note the special time. Uh, this is down in Delaware. Uh, they're playing the Thunder. Uh, more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Absolutely. Also got to mention, nope, uh, we are just under one month away from Binghamton Rumble Pony season starting. Uh, their season starts on the road in Hartford on April the 8th. Uh, their first home game is on uh, Tuesday, April 12th, uh, taking on the on Bowie. Uh, more information on that, uh, BinghamtonRumblePonies.com. Uh, also got to mention, baseball-wise, the drought is finally over, as I alluded to during the Tom Brady retire, uh, unretiring thing. Baseball has finally ended their 99-day owner-induced lockout. Uh, baseball is back on. Uh, not going to get into the whole numbers of the CBA because, listen, I'm not an economics guy and I'm not a mathematician. Uh, they don't mean nothing to me. Uh, there will be a 12-team playoff uh, for this season. Universal DH is kicked in. Uh, I believe the uh, band shift does not kick in until next year. And I then, think so. And then I think they're looking at the uh, pitch clock for possibly next year, if not the year after. I do know one of the things they put in is kind of like an NFL rules committee type of thing, but it involves players, uh, umpires, owners, and then you know uh, some folks from the, from Major League Baseball and the players union. You know they'll look at stuff every year and possible rules that might need to get changed. Which hey, I like. Uh, so obviously with that, you've had free agency kick off uh, in a massive way. I won't go through everything. Uh, you had the Phillies added right-hander Jerry's Familia uh, to a one-year contract. Uh, you've had the Atlanta Braves trade with the Oakland Athletics for first baseman Matt Olson. He has then since signed an eight-year, $168 million contract. 
Yo. Yo. Freddie Freeman, uh, we should know, still available. Uh, you had the Mets add right-handed reliever Adam Adovino to a four-year, one-year contract, or four million, one-year contract. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon is signing with the Milwaukee Brewers. Nelson Cruz signing with the Washington Nationals. The Mets, or not the Mets, the Twins and the Yankees did a blockbuster trade uh, with the Yankees acquiring th- uh, former MVP third baseman Josh Donaldson, catcher Ben Rortvet, and shortstop Isaiah Kiner Falefa. I know that name's going to give Michael K. Fitz. Yeah. Uh, and then turn the twins acquired Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Thank God. Get, uh-huh. Get the cracking out of here. Yeah. Uh, listen, sad to see Gio Urshela go, but yeah, but ultimately I knew at the end of the day, when it came to a trade possibly happening with the Yankees, either he or Glaber Torres was going to have to go. There was no way we're going to be able to keep them and trade for players. If we weren't going to trade any of our prospects. I mean, listen, it would have been great to have Matt Olson. We got some great prospects that the Yankees do coming up. Don't want to give any of them up. This makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people are, wow, why are we taking on Donaldson? 36 years old, 50 million. Listen, from every statistical and analytics stat, he's better than Gio Urshela. And listen, you or I are fucking better than Gary Sanchez at catching. Facts. The, you've got uh, Rortvet, and then you've got Kyle Higashioka are going to platoon. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Makes all the sense in the world. They're about as good as Gary Sanchez is, minus the power in offensive statistics. And then they're obviously better uh, defensively. So it's an obvious upgrade. Listen, I mean, the one thing Yankee fans need to realize is we are not the Texas Rangers. Okay, we don't need to load up our lineup with home run hitters. Yes. We need guys to get on base. Yes. Why we don't have these guys in the lineup per every day is beyond me. Like, the fact that we needed to line it up with Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez, who either hit it out of the park or strike out. Uh Uh-huh. Is beyond me. And it looks like they're trying to address that. They're trying to address the strikeout issue. They're finally, I think, and this is the biggest issue, trying to fix the fielding issue because you will start having players playing their natural positions. I'm sorry, Boone was quoted the other day, and I got to admit, I like what the guys over at John Boy Media said. You can't trust anything Aaron Boone or, or Brian Cashman say for the next two weeks. Yeah. Because Aaron Boone said, Gio Urshela is our starting shortstop, and then they traded him away. I'm sorry, why the fuck is Gio Urshela, who's been a third baseman for most of his career, your starting shortstop? That's not his natural position. You're going to have a, a guy who's played shortstop playing shortstop. You'll have Donaldson, who is a third baseman, playing third base. You're not putting – it's not like the one year Torrey was managing the Yankees. I think it was like 2006 where he really tried to shink things up. He put our second baseman in left field. What? No, you don't do that. It doesn't make any sense. You put guys at their natural position, and things will tend to pan out. Exactly. I'm not too worried about it. And honestly, I don't pay attention to anything Boone does anyway. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you, I want to see this on the field. So, listen – to everybody making those millions of dollars, put up or shut up. Uh-huh. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing this. And, like, the fact that now the millionaires have agreed with the millionaires, play ball, and I don't want to hear about any labor shortage strike, yeah. whatever nonsense for, like, the next 10 years. Yeah. And I know everyone's like, oh, Donaldson hates hates Garrett Cole. Listen, they had a conversation. They already worked it up. They worked it up. It's all good. Money solves a lot of problems, folks. Money and winning. Yes. Uh, you also had the Twins acquire Sonny Gray from the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, let's see, jump, just scroll through some stuff. I'm not going to go through everything. Uh, Joe Kelly signed with the, the Chicago White Sox. Listen, Chicago's fucking bullpen's insane because Joe Kelly, great reliever. He's probably like the sixth reliever in that bullpen. Yeah. It's fucking insane. So Chicago definitely wanted to look out for. Uh, and that's kind of all the ones that were jumping out to me. Obviously, Clay Kersh- Clayton Kershaw uh, signed with the Dodgers on a one-year deal. Carlos Rodon signed with the Giants on a two-year deal. Uh, Andrelton Simmons uh, signed with the Cubs. 
uh let's see i'm just scrolling through and yeah that's since the uh free agency or since free agency kicked off that's kind of all the big ones that are jumping out freddie freeman still a free agent and the asking price on that going up probably astronomically but hey if the yankees aren't able to get him we can still get rizzo rizzo's Rizzo's good there's moves to be made so like listen i mean obviously the major thing is baseball's back it's what we needed i'm happy with that so you know what play ball and stop talking about money uh, for my base, well, we obviously we talk wrestling on the show, so yes. let's talk some wrestling. On fortunately, though, we have to end this on a somber note. Yes, uh, it broke on Monday night that Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon, in the WWE, uh, an iconic wrestler from the '90s and 2000s, uh, unfortunately passed away due to complications from surgery. Uh, 63 years old. Yes. If you had never seen Scott Hall wrestle. Uh, in the WWE as Razor Ramon, I would strongly recommend do yourself a favor. Go back and watch it. He put on classics with everybody from Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, even got somebody known as the 123 Kid, a.k.a. X-Pac, on TV into a program that had a great storyline to it. Uh, I know we went into a little deep dive about this on 607 TWS yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, like when we were going on the air, the news broke that he had passed 10 minutes before we went on air. So yeah. it was kind of taking some time for Rich and I to get our thoughts together because if, yeah. if you've been watching wrestling as long as we have, and I know Pat is going back through and catching up on a lot of things, you see what Hall did for being his size in that mm-hmm. time period and, and being one of the best performers in the ring right. in the WWE, especially during that time period. He was just such a character larger than life. Like when you're talking about like wrestling characters, mm-hmm. he really took that razor Ramon character and went places that I don't think anybody else could have taken it. If no. they were given the same. Gimmick. No, no razor uh, Ramon, Scott Hall, one of the best to ever do it. You know, as I've said before, I didn't get into pro wrestling until WrestleMania 30. So I didn't get the chance to see him in person. But once I started watching, I started looking up some of the seminal moments and stuff, but, and I instantly saw, okay, I get why this is a, this guy's a big deal, and, and I realized what kind of an impact he had on my life without me knowing even who he was. Because when I was a kid growing up, as I said, I didn't watch pro wrestling, but ultimately you couldn't escape pro wrestling in the mid to late 90s with, mm. with WCW and the NWO and then Stone Cold and The Rock. You know, I remember very vividly being in grade school and seeing NWO shirts everywhere. Yeah, and and I had no idea what the hell it was. I thought it was a legit thing, and being confused is all fuck. New World Order, like what? So the fact that I even knew, and then somebody explained it to me, I was like, oh okay, I I gotcha. So the fact that like me who watched zero minutes and zero seconds of pro wrestling until WrestleMania 30, for me to even know what the hell it was, into for it to cross into my little bubble as a kid, just goes to show how much of an impact he had on pro wrestling and it's obviously a gut punch um if you do want to go back and see any of his things i reached out to a friend overseas who still uses the wwe network they have a little section up on the wwe network if you still access their content through that overseas also on peacock there is on the wwe little page uh if you go down a little bit a remembering scott hall section they have the living on a razor's edge scott hall the scott hall story there they've got the episode of wcw monday nitro where he first showed up you know who i am you don't know why i'm here you know they've got you know wrestlemania 10 on there you know for his match there his match on monday night raw at the one two three kid you know some of the stuff he did with wcw and and the nwo there's just so much there 
and you should really I'll, I'll get there eventually i'm going through all the pay-per-views in order that are available on peacock i'm just about to finish wrestlemania one so i'll move forward for that i'll get there eventually but obviously a huge loss to the entire professional professional wrestling world you know he was the quote-unquote bad guy but he was one of the great ones he was the one that made being bad cool yeah like that's just how yeah when you transcend your character and really cross over Almost like on the same level as The Rock. I mean, obviously, before The Rock became yeah. The Rock and movie yeah. stars. Yeah. When you can make a crossover and connect with people like he did, that truly sets the tone of like how you are doing and just how much of an impact you have on that industry. And like Pat alluded to, like when he left WWE and went to WCW and the formation of the NWO. And that story is wild. And that is one of the most greatest stories in all of pro wrestling history. Uh-huh. And just seeing the impact it had there and just, you know, from what went on, uh, you know, from the uh, uh, the startup of WCW to be in the, you know, 82 weeks and such. Hall played such a big factor in that. Like, I think that you really have to go back and just see all that time period. And if you watch it like in a, you know, a sitting or, you know, just like start hammering through that time period, you really get an appreciation about what he did for the business and yeah. really how much of an impact he really brought. Yeah, and he did have an impact on people far and wide. Uh, the Rock did chime in on Instagram posting a video from one of their matches on, I believe it was like a Monday Night Raw or something. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, he did say in part, quote, before my match here with Scott, I made sure to tell him how much his in-ring work influenced me. When I was a rookie in wrestling, I would study Scott's matches. His style, intensity, crispness and his excellent in-ring iq and psychology i studied his matches frame by frame he was shocked to hear this from me we came up in different eras he knew i was a study of the game but he had no idea he was one of the ones i studied he thought i he thought that was so cool and we went out there that night and lit it the fuck up inside that ring it was my honor brother and thank you for the house uh go rust high hashtag the bad guy hashtag scott hall hashtag rest in peace absolutely so our deepest condolences go out to his family friends and fans all over the world this is definitely one that a lot of wrestling fans are chiming in on a lot of wrestlers are are posting their their memories of him and and rightfully so because when you lose somebody like him it's definitely going to leave an impact Mm -hmm. and like we say our deepest condolences go out so that said pad uh, I'm just keep it very short and sweet this week. ODPHpodcast.com for everything that is the ODPH. So that being said, for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you and rest in peace, Scott Hall. I'm your host, Ken M. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time.
one on me. 